Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Organizational Research and Development Podcast. I'm your host and founder of the company, Philip Beeg, and I want to thank you for taking the time to press play and give us a listen today. Our episode today is going to focus on the last aspect of the emotional intelligence model, relationship management. Now, for those of you that have been following us and have tuned into our last three episodes, you've noticed that we spent a considerable amount of time on this topic, and we've looked at emotional intelligence from various different angles, whether it's the self-awareness, self-management, social awareness. These are all topics and areas that are things that we surround ourselves with 24-7 when we're in the workplace and even just in our lives. It's important to just take some time, I think, to just understand and have an open discussion about what these topics are, what it looks like when we are actually intentional about developing them, and also beginning to understand what the business result is or the business value of focusing on emotional intelligence. So today's episode is not only going to talk about relationship management and what it is, but we're also going to connect the other three aspects of the emotional intelligence model together and just talk a little bit overall about how this big topic can help your business. It can help you become a better leader, you become a better employee, and so forth. So here we go. Um, for those that have had the chance to engage with me, and maybe you've heard it in, in an episode or two of ours, uh, as a consultant and a coach, one of the things I always preach is it's our job to really simplify the complex. A consultant or a coach doesn't need to make a problem more complicated than it is. We don't have to overcomplicate um, some of the aspects that we're talking about or teaching. And relationship management is an area that represents us, I think, very well. There's no need to get more complicated than this. It's all about managing relationships. Now, from a 30,000-foot view, that may seem like a little bit of an eye-roller as a topic, but hear me out on this. Companies that have multiple people working in it, you have various people from different backgrounds, different experiences, different education, different races, um, different work experiences, different communication styles, and different desires and motivators working for you working with you and being able to understand each other and understand what how the other side prefers to work how the other side um, if they have any questions or if they're unclear about a particular goal understanding how they prefer to be spoken to and worked with can oftentimes alleviate a lot of barriers that we often see in our workplaces today Relationship management is about literally the management of the workplace relationship, both good and bad. I think of it often kind of like a boat sailing in the sea. Sometimes you're going to have clear water, calm water. You're going through and it's a bright sunny day, right? Kind of like a team that's performing at a high level. They understand each other. They're on a project. They're clear on what the goal is and they're hitting their deadlines. Other times, a sailor will tell you that they're going to hit some choppy water, perhaps a storm, and maybe have some really intense waves that they're going to have to work through. Same thing happens in our work relationships as well, too. We're going to have points of conflict. We're going to have, let's say, traits or characteristics that we identify in others that may annoy us, may, may rub us the wrong way, so to speak. Relationship management is about making sure that we understand both the good and the bad that come with engaging with other people, being accepting, and also understanding that there's a goal that needs to be get done. And so it's beneficial for both sides to understand their motivators, how they prefer to talk to each other, 
how they want to work together in order to get the job done. I can't tell you how many times I've consulted on projects or worked with small groups where you always have someone that has a different work ethic style and people will want to single them out or kind of isolate them a bit. It's not that they're lazy, it's just that they have a different style of working. They, they just think differently, they work differently. And because they're a little different, it can create some tension or some friction when they're working on a project with other people. Relationship management is about understanding that. Being able to identify, okay, what are the strong, what are the strengths that these people bring to this project? What strengths do I bring? And how do our strengths complement our weaknesses or our gaps in our performance? Relationship management is also a key skill in building positive ways of handling conflict. One thing I'm going to be talking about throughout this podcast show that we do is conflict management because I, I think it gets avoided a lot. And, and oftentimes, I mean, this is just me, but I think some of the skills around conflict management are a little too too fluff. I think there's a little bit more of a direct way and, and more of a hard-hitting way that you can actually practice some really strong conflict resolution techniques in your workplace, among your working relationships, and really have positive outcomes. Relationship management and emotional intelligence as a whole significantly influences how we resolve conflict. It's not just about defending ourselves and what we didn't do right. It's about understanding what our responsibilities are, what our ownership is in the conflict, and being able to actively listen to the other side and find a way to either compromise or create some positive outcome out of that conflict. I, again, <laughs> I feel like I'm using this phrase a lot, but I've also worked on a lot of projects too where there is friction between teams. There is some underlining conflict there. Sometimes it gets worked out, other times it stays in a very unhealthy state. And the bigger problem is, is for executive leaders, they kind of pull their hair out of it because whether you like the other person or not, or you like the other team or not, or whatever the case is, there's a job that needs to be done, there are goals that need to be met, and conflict always acts as this unnecessary obstacle that prevents performance, it prevents productivity. So if you're intentional about relationship management, you'll spend the time to understand the people that you're working with. You'll understand about how they prefer to communicate, build trust with them, you'll understand their work ethic, and you'll also be comfortable sharing everything from your end, how you prefer to talk with other people, how you prefer to work together. And what that can do is that can provide a faster way of alleviating conflict when it arises, it also can just prevent unnecessary conflict from popping up, and I think that's a huge advantage if you can just take some time to do that. One other thing too, if there's one thing that's constant in this world, outside of taxes and passing away, it's change. Change to me is easily one of the biggest constants in our world today, and it is just constantly evident in organizational development. Companies are always changing. They're always creating more ambitious goals. They're always looking to expand. They're always looking for more people to join their team. They're looking for new locations. They're looking to meet new clients. They're looking to expand into new markets. They may even look at their old, at their current processes and operations and say, you know what, I think we need to change this. What got us here isn't going to get us there. We need to change things up. We may need to restructure. In any case, change is a constant in organizational development, and to go along with that, so is resistance. I can't tell you again how many people are constantly resistant to change, and there's a lot of good reasons behind it. When a company wants to undergo change or do some type of restructure or change up their operations, 
there's always a pocket, at least, of employees who are resistant to this, at least hesitant, and often kind of anchoring, in a way, the process with questions. Relationship management can help with change. It can help bring others along who are hesitant. If they have other people who they're connected to, that they have strong relations with, strong, productive, and trusting relationships with, people who are hesitant or resistant to change can engage with those people to assuage some of their concerns that they have, maybe answer some questions that are confusing them. So relationship management doesn't just work from an individual perspective of, if I'm a leader, I need to be able to understand everyone, I need to be present with everyone, I need to manage everyone's relationships, all that kind of stuff. You should, but also too recognize that relationship management is kind of like tossing a rock into a calm pond. It has permeating effects, it has rippling effects. If everyone in your organization is at least intentional or conscious about improving their relationships and managing them with their other coworkers or people that they interact with, your work becomes significantly less harder to do. And your productivity, your efficiency, and even your workplace culture will see a nice increase and a little bit of a spike up. So we've talked a little bit about relationship management there in this opening bit. I just want to kind of highlight again how the other three aspects of the model influence our relationship. And then what we'll do is we'll wrap this episode up by also talking about just some overall best practices on how you can elevate your uh, emotional intelligence, how you can bring some good positive traits into your workplace and into your profession. So let's just make everything kind of obvious here. First things first is your self-awareness. Being self-aware that your emotions are constantly fluctuating and being aware of what your current mindset is, being aware of what's influencing you, that's going to have certainly rippling effects in any relationship that you're engaging with in the workplace. If you're coming into a meeting and you know you're not fully into it, and you stay in that mindset, chances are you're going to miss some really important information that's going to have rippling effects if you have to work with other people. On the flip side, if you get someone that is goal-focused, productivity-focused, they're dialed in, you're going to see that ripple into their relations and how they work with other people. Self-management. This is pretty straightforward, and we talked about this a couple episodes ago, but understanding what our triggers are, both positive and negative, can help us just stay level-headed and I, and operate in a mindset of clarity. I think that this is often something that is like kind of like a well-duh, that is what we're all trying to do, but it's actually a lot harder to do when we talk about working a job every day, uh, Monday through Friday for 52-some weeks out of the year, That's a lot to do, to just stay level-headed, to be operating in a clarified mindset. It's it's tough. There's going to be things that, that kind of throw you off balance a little bit, both good and bad, right? So if we're able to understand what triggers our emotions, both positive and negative, then when we're interacting with others in our relations, we can better improve how we talk to each other. We can reduce the offenses that we feel or the words that we use that may be a little bit sensitive, and we can be more productive in how we work together with each other, which will undoubtedly influence our trust in each other. Relationship management also helps to just make sure that, like I said, we're operating in a mindset of clarity. We're focused on the goal. I'm not saying that you have to love everyone that you work with and have tons of smiles, but you do need to be able to work together productively. You do need to be able to execute the job responsibilities that you've signed on to do. You do need to be able to carry out the tasks that your leadership team is bringing to you. 
So operating in a mindset of clarity means that we're self-aware of our fluctuating emotions. We are able to recognize and identify the triggers that affect our emotions and our performance, and we're able to do something about that, right? If we're in a conversation with someone and they're just kind of annoying us or or they don't seem very open-minded, rather than becoming defensive and and resistant, we might want to just instead ask an open-ended question. Hey, is everything okay today? Hey, you seem a little different. Is, is, Is everything okay? That's just an example. But rather than become defensive and isolated, we can actually be open and build a bridge. And I think that's incredibly important when we're talking about this whole big topic of emotional intelligence and how it affects productivity and business outcomes. Lastly, like I mentioned in our uh, prior episode of Social Awareness, being able to understand just kind of that temperature when we walk into a room, being able to understand how a group performs, how our relations with each other will affect our performances is all kind of easily tied together. Right? I mean, this, again, like I said at the beginning of this, this isn't really rocket science, but I believe that as we become more focused on goals and our own personal jobs and careers and we have things to do outside of work, sometimes we kind of shut off those valves that allow us to be more conscious and cognizant of being emotionally intelligent. And that can certainly have influences in our performance, in our relations with others, and certainly within our career or our growth of our business. So self-awareness, self-management, social awareness, they all connect to relationship management. At the end of the day, if we understand ourselves and we understand what our triggers are, what can influence us or, or tick us off or make us extremely happy or positive, we're able to understand and and be aware of others from a social aspect, we're going to be able to improve our relationships tenfold. We're going to be able to resolve conflict much easier. We're going to be able to work together much better. And that becomes a reason why there's always trainers, there's always workshops, there's always coaching, consultation around collaboration, teamwork, inspirational leadership, and even change management. Part of those, part of the obstacles and the blockades that cause trainers to exist is because there's a lack of emotional intelligence or it's not being practiced in the, in the right channel or context. So as we wrap up this, this four-part series on emotional intelligence, and over like the next year or two, we'll keep on coming back to this and we'll update these kind of episodes. We'll provide new insights, perhaps bring people on board that um, we'll interview and have a discussion around. But consider this is that emotional intelligence isn't the responsibility of other people. It's the responsibility of yourself to practice. Um, it's not something that you need to always be 100% on because we're humans. We have mistakes. We have Uh, errors, we have off days, we also have great days, and we have moments where we are absolutely on fire. But practicing emotional intelligence, whether it's your self-awareness, your self-management, or how you engage or maintain your relationships with others, if you practice this on a daily basis and you're intentional about it, I guarantee that you'll see improvements not just in your performance, but in your workplace culture, in your organization, in your leadership, and in your communication. There's a ton of studies that are out there that talk about the influence and and kind of shining light of emotional intelligence, and I'd encourage you to look at them. Not from like a Harvard Business Review or a LinkedIn, but, you know, go on some of those scholarly sites and look at some of the studies that have been done on emotional intelligence. 
not just from a leadership perspective, but also from an organizational perspective. And I think you can even, you'll, you'll find even more buy-in as to why this topic is so important. Now, uh, I do want to just take a few minutes here. So we've talked a little, we've talked quite a bit about emotional intelligence and the four areas here. I just kind of want to share with you some insight that I've acquired over my time in this field and having worked on not only several projects, but coached many leaders around emotional intelligence. I, I think in no particular order, it's so tough. I'm going to talk about this from a leadership perspective. In no particular order, I'm just going to start off by saying it's so tough for, for leaders to oftentimes practice emotional intelligence. And look, I mean, I'm saying this from a general perspective, so this is going to be different for everyone. You may be listening to this and, and be leading a company of 5,000 employees. You may be someone that is beginning to grow your company and you're hitting 20 employees. But at the end of the day, one thing that I've observed is it's tough for leaders to stay emotionally intelligent and to be cognitively aware of it uh, because they have so many things to do. And when a leader has to not only look and see where their company, where they want their company to be in the next one, three, or five years, but they also have to worry about the day-to-day operations. They also have to worry about growth, hiring, um, onboarding, and, and, you know, keeping the ship, so to speak, upright, you see that it's only kind of like a matter of time before their emotional intelligence starts to to dwindle or it starts to close up a bit. I don't want to say it ever goes away because it's always there, but it starts to erode a bit. I guess that's the best way of putting it. And you see it because leaders become more numbers focused. They become more process driven. They become more, uh, we need to go, we're here, we need to go there, and that's that. There's nothing wrong with that, with those mindsets or with those behaviors. But there certainly is an argument to have some balance, right, in between your your obsession or your constant observance on numbers and measurement and profit and processes, along with being emotionally intelligent around your people, providing that inspirational leadership being empathetic when the time calls for it, when your other leaders need you to be. Those ha- those are kind of like the intangibles of emotional intelligence that don't show up in the bottom line figures. You know, <laughs> there isn't <laughs> there isn't a company that that looks at like their end of the year figures and like great, we made a million dollars in profit and 500,000 of that came from being emotionally intelligent, right? Like we don't like have we we I mean I guess we could observe some of that and and provide some kind of measurement. I'd have to think about that, but but it, it's kind of like when you watch sports and you hear analysts talk about certain players' performances, and, and you'll hear every now and then a comment about you know what this player does doesn't show up on the stat sheet, even though their team you know will win a game. The same thing is true with emotional intelligence, and I'm pinning this like towards a, a lead, any leader that's listening to this. You know, obviously numbers, measurement, processes, profits, those are all big drivers of a business growing, and you need to certainly be cognizant and observant of that. However, also just make sure that you're balancing that scale or at least feeding the tree, so to speak, with some of that emotional intelligent water. Make sure that you're practicing empathy. Make sure that you're understanding your triggers, your emotional triggers, right? Being self-aware of how you present yourselves to yourself to others or how you communicate with other people managing those relationships if you do that you'll find that your job whether you're looking to scale your company you're looking to add more people you're looking to open a new location 
or perhaps you're looking to rebound. Maybe you're in a downward spiral right now. You're looking for ways to just kind of, you know, stop the bleeding, so to speak, or to turn it around. Try just looking into some of that emotional intelligence. I, you know, at least from my experience and my perspective, um, when I've worked with clients, it's been something that has fundamentally changed how they not only treat themselves, but how they treat others and build stronger workplace cultures. Um, one other thing, too, that I, I, I want to just kind of talk about here as well is um, we spend a lot of time on this. I, I think I mentioned that a few times. But recognize, too, that this isn't as complicated, again, as it needs to be. I got into that a bit because I not only want to provide content for our viewers here, but also because I, I read about this stuff. I work in it every day. But at the end of the day, I, I just want to kind of send home the message that emotional intelligence is about being a human to another human. It's about being able to, if you don't take anything else away from this, or if, you know, if you're kind of wondering where to begin or, or what to think about, you know, just think about being a human being to other people. You know, the terms like self-awareness, social awareness, self-management, relationship management, we can boil that down into a couple of things. Always be open-minded and recognize when we start to close our minds up because it'll happen like the the day-to-day nine to five or you know hitting the hitting the grind every day you're bound to have an experience that will erode or at least kind of close up some of our open-mindedness practice just staying open-minded be open and accepting of others opinions or thoughts or questions secondly practice being an active listener and I don't just mean kind of sitting back in your chair and, and kind of showing an appearance of you're listening to another person. Engage with, with what someone's saying when they're talking to you. Find some way of being invested in the conversation, being present. Also, take some time if, if you haven't yet already. And I know that, you know, we're kind of in this quote-unquote new work, workplace world where, you know, uh, re um, remote working is becoming more common or at least hybrid working is becoming becoming more common. I think what's still kind of lagging behind that is everyone, whether you're an employee, a manager, director, executive leader, taking at least five to ten minutes a day or once a week to just be mindful in the moment and understand more about yourself. Do some self-discovery. Did you have some situations over the past week that really upset you? Was there a common theme that you can identify that caused you to react consistently in a certain way? Um, were there a lot of, are you going through a period of success right now? And you're wondering, you know, every time I talk to a leader, they're like, I'm wondering when it's going to end, right? Because as soon as, you know, when, when you're not in that period of success, you're working to get there. And as soon as you get there, you're wondering when it's going to end or what's going to stop it. So again, just kind of going back to this here, and, and this is just from having coached several leaders on this and, and worked on this, you know, it's, it's really helpful to just take some time to do some self-exploration on your own. No phones, no tablets, no, no uh, uh, computers or other people to disrupt you. Maybe go for a walk or find a different environment. But I'm telling you, if you take some time, you know, once a week even to just kind of understand yourself a bit more, you know, why do I, and, and answer that question, why do I do this kind of stuff? Or what, what causes me to act this way? Or why do I feel this way, you know, right now? 
you'll understand more about yourself and that can help other people understand how to work better with you. I think oftentimes we kind of leave it to the other side to make assumptions or kind of mind read how they should be working with us. And we can make that job much easier and much more efficient if we actually understand ourselves and become again more emotionally intelligent. So those are just a couple of things that I wanted to share with everyone today. I want to thank everyone for taking the time to listen to us. And as I say at the end of every episode, you know, this is work that that is, um, we've been doing this for a while now. And not only just um, coaching, but consulting and providing presentations on emotional intelligence. It really does make a change in, in every individual. You know, it can unlock a lot of potential. It can help you from feeling burned out all the time. It can help you better with your uh, relationships that you're working with in, in terms of the workplace. So, you know, we do this stuff every day. And if you have any questions about how to develop your emotional intelligence or you want to reach out and uh, just kind of bounce some questions or ideas, feel free to connect with us. Uh, you can find us on LinkedIn. Uh, we have the Organizational Research and Development LLC uh, page. You can certainly follow us there. Feel free to also reach out to us um, on organizationalrnd.com. I'm Phil Beek, and we'll see you again on the next episode.